The Business Animal Podcast is proudly sponsored by WP Engine, your resource for managed WordPress hosting, and Keep, the premier CRM software for small business. Head over to thebusinessanimal.com for the best deals on these two amazing products. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim here. Today, Kara and I are talking all things mental health with Jason Meadows of Ag State of Mind podcast. Now, this is a topic that's near and dear to both Kara and I's hearts. We really want to remove the stigma around getting help and accessing mental health resources within your community. For a lot of our listeners, as well as myself included, living in a rural area, sometimes that's a little more difficult than it looks like on the surface. As you're listening to today's podcast, in our interview with Jason, I would really like for you to listen to the information that, that Jason provides about how to access mental health resources, even if you're in a rural community. Also, the lessons that animals bring to our lives that help us stay healthier emotionally and mentally. And then Jason also has some other little tidbits that he's going to share. One of my favorites is how he lives his life by the numbers. And I'll let him share that with you in the podcast. So without further ado, ado. Here is Jason Meadows. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey, business animals, it's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And we're so excited. We have a guest, guys, today. And he's from Missouri, which is where Kim is living right now, where I'm from. And it's crazy because he's one of the first people that I've met in a long time that actually knows where Billings, Missouri is. It's crazy. So y'all, let's welcome Jason Meadows to the show. Jason, you want to say hi to everybody real quick before I officially introduce you? Sure. Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> We're so happy to have you. So you guys, you're in for a treat today. We're really excited about this episode. Jason Meadows was born and raised on his family's cow-calf operation outside of Cuba, Missouri. He grew up playing football and baseball as well as involved in his local 4-H. In 2002, Jason left the farm for St. Louis College of Pharmacy. He graduated in 2008 with his doctor in pharmacy and returned home to work at a local hospital and continue to grow his cow-calf operation that he started in college. It was at that local hospital that he met his future wife, Carrie. Fast forward 12 years and they have four boys and have purchased another farm on their own. In 2019, Jason began his own podcast, Ag State of Mind, which is how we first learned about Jason, where he combined his medical background with his passion for agricultural to help break the stigma surrounding mental health and agricultural. So we're so excited to have you here on the show. Welcome, Jason. Well, I am excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Nice. So tell us a little bit about you were one of those kids that got out of the country, went to the city and got a degree that you could take anywhere. What made you come back to small town Cuba, Missouri? I guess it's not a really small town, but probably a small town by the comparison for a lot of people that listen to our show. So it's got to be bigger than Bellings where I grew up. It has to be. Yeah, I'm not much bigger. It's I think it's about 3,500 people, so it's not very big. So like three times um, bigger. That's pretty big. Well, it's, Cuba's much closer to Billings than it is to St. Louis, I promise you. Yeah, yeah. Probably in a personality. 
they're all bigger than Ballard, which is like where I live, which is like eight people. (laughs) But as far as me coming back, I never really saw another option. So I had plans of actually owning a pharmacy of my own. My brother-in-law owned the pharmacy in Cuba, and that's where I worked in high school. And that's kind of where I caught the bug to go to pharmacy school. So that was just always kind of like the inferred plans. Well, some things changed. I was offered a job at the local hospital when I was in college, when I was there on my rotations, and you know things were changing in my life, and that's kind of just how that happened. I just decided to make a change on a whim, and gosh, it worked out as well as it could have for me. I, that's where I met my wife shortly after I began working there, and you know, like you said, fast forward 12 years, and we've built this huge life together. That is awesome. And then, so tell me a little bit about your cow-calf operations. You raise beef cattle, obviously. I love on your website that you have eat beef, and I'm a big proponent for that, uh, owning my own own cattle ranch. I used to operate a cow-calf herd of about 75 mama cows. So I love what you're doing with that. So tell me a little bit about that. What kind of cattle do you raise and what is your main goal with that? It's a commercial operation. So all crossbred cattle, we pretty much, it's black Angus genetics that are cycled through, but we have some other breeds that have just come through along the way. Just whatever will work to have a calf with the least amount of input available. That's the kind of cow that we want. And one that's pretty gentle too, because like I said, it's just me and my family here. I don't have any hired help. Everything needs to be pretty gentle for us to be able to have that maintained as a family. But as far as our goals, I believe that the future of the cattle industry is going to be focused around operations which are practicing better soil health regenerative type practices. And that's where we're going. We're going to really focusing on the land and the soil and kind of seeing the cow as a way to convert that grass into healthy beef, right? And so trying to do that in the most economical and sustainable way possible. You know, we're always innovating. We're always trying new things out. Some things that fail miserably, some things that work okay and we stick with. So, but always constantly wanting to innovate and wanting to do things as best as we can. Constant and never ending improvement. That's a motto of one of my mentors and also a motto of mine. So it's always looking for ways to do things better. You know, one of the things, and I'm, I don't want to dive too far down this rabbit hole because it could be an entire episode on its own, but I know that one of your big advocacies is mental health for folks in agriculture. And part of the reason that people in agriculture a lot of times are high for suicide and also have a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety and stress in their lives has to do with the public opinion of what a farmer and how they treat their their animals and the environment and all of those things. And I know for me personally, it's a big advocacy for me to explain to people like we do no-till drill here on our ranch. We The farmer that actually does the farming, um, his name's Scott, shout out to Scott. He's amazing. He 
he really worries about the soil health. He looks at things long term. He looks at the environmental impact of what he's doing. He tries to do the absolute best with his cattle and with his crops to make sure that all of those check boxes are checked. And then to have people approach on a front and, and just accuse him of not being a good person or not being environmentally sound, kind of lumping him in with things that aren't really true in agriculture. How do you how do you feel about that? Do you have any comments around that particular topic? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's incredibly frustrating to have people make wild accusations around you that are based in total make-believe, just a believing a false narrative. And yeah, that's super frustrating. So I think the key to the key to this and I don't want to say battle because I don't want it to be pitted that way. But the key to like this conversation is trying to actually find people who are genuinely curious. And that's that's easier said than done because there are going to be people online, mostly online, because most of the people wouldn't dare attack you in public. But there's going to be people who are just coming because they want to start a fight and they have an agenda but it's, you got to be really careful and try to seek out the people who are really wanting to have a conversation, right? Who are really wanting to talk about how you raise your animals and the practices that you do and understand that you're a real person and there are real people being affected by these things um, that not just some faceless corporation like people make it seem like farming has become, which no matter what the type of farm it is, even big corporate farms are run by families most of the time. You know, so I mean, it's really important to help people understand that and try to meet them in the middle and be able to find the people, seek out the people who are genuinely curious. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to say, Jason, we mentioned briefly about your your podcast, Ag State of Mind. So for folks that are that are just tuning in, if you haven't listened to Ag State of Mind yet, we highly recommend you hop over and jump on a couple episodes because I've enjoyed what I've listened to so far. Why is this important to you? Why do you feel like you need to bring a voice to people living with mental health issues in the ag world? Can you talk a little bit about like where you went with your podcast and why you're over 100 episodes in now? Yeah, I just released episode 100. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Yeah, we way. know the work that goes <laughs> into that so <laughs> we know the work that goes into yeah. that at, at episode 33 we we are very well aware yes. that 100 yeah. is a is a milestone it, it, it is yeah yeah we're, we're very happy with that but as far as the why we kind of have well established my two sides of it I, in the fact that I'm very unique in that I understand medical, the medical world, and being a medical professional, being a pharmacist, obviously my long-standing kind of stake in the game of agriculture, being growing up here with my family. Um, but I've also struggled mightily with anxiety starting in college. Whenever I left home to go to the city, I was not prepared for that, and it caused me a lot of issues that I still, you know, there's times I still, I don't think it's something you ever really cured of. Uh, but it's things I still battle to this day. And at one point I understood that there has to be other people who are like me, right? Who are struggling, who have these issues, who want to talk about them, but don't really have an outlet for them to talk about. And, you know, I was searching, I, I just, I was listening to an old podcast that I was on two years ago before when the podcast right before it started and I was you know you, you lose these things after a while and I'm glad I revisited this because I was really looking for a podcast that talked about mental health and agriculture 
that was like, I went out looking for that, seeking that. And I was really frustrated that there wasn't one that existed. But then I was like, well, if there's not one that exists, why don't you just <laughs> try and be. start one yourself? <laughs> um, which I had no, yeah. no idea what that entailed. None. I had no idea. Um, I'm still just barely aware of what it takes 100 episodes in. But I just felt that calling. It's more of a calling than anything else. And I feel like I was in a very unique position to provide information to people coming at it from a number of different perspectives. I think that's incredible. We, you know, all of the time on the podcast talk about how as animal-based business owners, a lot of times it feels like we're all alone in this you know, and so one of the things we've tried to do with our podcast is bring some community around the world of owning an animal-based business, whether you're in the equine industry, the cattle industry, the pet industry. We're all in this together to some extent. So, you know, I talk about that, the loneliness of that. And I also have a lot of anxiety. I, we laugh about it all the time. You know, if there isn't something to worry about, I will find the next thing to worry about, like faster than yeah. anything. Uh -huh. And Same. yeah, so I really appreciate that. And I think that our listeners as well, just appreciate someone bringing a voice to it and and just acknowledging the fact that you know just because you're you're working this business and maybe you have a successful cattle business or you know like you you're a pharmacist as well and you're you're very you know I'm assuming you're successful in that but that you can still struggle with mental health and you can still you know walk that walk and that there should be resources out there that are really geared towards that community so thank you for doing that it's a passion project for me for sure it's so true though because I, I'm very candid about the fact that I've struggled with depression for the majority of my life. And for a long period of time, I just came to the acceptance that that was the way my life was going to be. And I had a bad experience with the mental health industry. And then that kind of turned me off from going back and getting more help. And it ended up being where, thankfully, I found a, a really good path to be able to get back to a very mentally healthy state and a happiness that I didn't ever think I would achieve. And that's the thing I think you're you're really helping, particularly farmers and ranchers and even our, our animal-based business folks. There's a lot of people in this industry that really do fear that stigma of saying, hey, I was depressed and it steals so much from you and there's no reason to because there are so many resources out there that you can take advantage of. I know on your website, I'd like for you to talk a little bit, Jason, about some of the resources that you advocate for and some advice you might give people that are a little worried about dipping their toe into getting some help. Hey, business animals, Kim here. More women than ever are starting businesses, yet so few are sharing how they do it. Why? Because being a successful female entrepreneur is hard work and comes with a unique set of challenges. That's why I joined forces with 20 other women to write the Female Entrepreneur's Playbook, where we reveal our secrets to building a business that complements and enhances our lifestyle. Each chapter is written by a different female entrepreneur, including one by me, who gives candid and advice-filled answers to empower women to lean into their zone of genius and create the business they love. Plus, if you pre-order before October 12th, your 99 cent copy will entitle you to over $1,500 in entrepreneurial resources. Those resources are delivered straight to your inbox as soon as you hit the pre-order button. Get your copy now by searching the Female Entrepreneur's Playbook on Amazon or heading over to the Business Animal website and clicking on the button under the deals for this episode.
So I have, like you said, on my website, I have an entire section that is ever growing. You know, anytime somebody tells me about one site, I go ahead, I add it in. There's probably a 2025 listed websites on there of different places. But a few of the ones that I'll talk about, the first one I always, because they've given me so much inspiration, is the Do More Agriculture Foundation based out of Canada. Leslie Kelly, who was one of the founders of that, uh, was on my podcast very early and has become a really good friend of mine. She's done some incredible work surrounding mental health and agriculture. Adele Stewart, who is now the executive director She's been on my podcast as well. I know her and I are going to speak again soon, someday. Uh, She's on my return guest list. They do some just fabulous work north of the border and really a good place for us down here to start and knowing that we don't have to reinvent the wheel with a lot of things because the lessons that are learned just they don't necessarily don't really have any borders. But as far as a place to actually get real professional help, my favorite place to go is called BetterHelp. Now, I'm not affiliated with them at all other than I use it. I have used a counselor in the last year, an online counselor, and it's been so helpful. So I think one of the biggest things, especially with people who live rurally and work a busy lifestyle with, like you said, an animal-based business. And potentially in small communities where the resources are pretty limited. Exactly, yeah. You don't have necessarily a facility down the road that you can go and talk to somebody at face-to-face. Yeah, and like to have like these online places is so helpful because all that is taken away and then you don't have to worry about somebody seeing your truck outside the counselor's office or something like that, you know, which are, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but it's actual real problems. And so I always give BetterHelp a shout out because they've been so helpful to me. Yeah. And BetterHelp, just to clarify, it's mostly via the phone, right? It's actually a counseling. They actually have certified licensed counselors where you set up therapy sessions. Online, like face-to-face? Or you can even do like a chat, like where you don't even have to do face-to-face, which I find very helpful, you know, but that's just me personally. So you can do Zoom sessions and stuff like that. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I just wanted to make sure I was understanding and that our listeners were understanding that you don't have to go. It's not a brick and mortar, you know, like you can do a Zoom chat. You can chat with people. You can kind of have the level of entry that feels right for you at that time. And it's all very private, I'm sure. Like No one needs to know. Even if you want to keep it private from your own family, you could go in the truck somewhere and have someone to talk to. I think that's just so important. You know, suicide in agriculture has touched our particular area multiple times. And it's just, it's tragic. I remember as a teenager, one of our neighbors committed suicide, uh, was a farmer, committed suicide. And, and I've lived and grown up with his kids. And the amount of tragedy in that family that resulted from that event, it's ongoing. Even 40 plus years later, it, it still is touching their lives. And yeah, the impact is so critical to help people and to be able to do it in a way that feels good and comfortable for them. So that's awesome. We'll refer both to your website and to BetterHelp in the show notes so people can find those resources easily. Let's shift a little bit and talk about, so obviously our listeners are deeply involved with animals and you have your cow-calf operation. I also know you have horses and you happen to really like horses. And I've, I've heard you mention a couple of times that horses are kind of your 
your first love and and very much a, a part of your life. So talk to us a little bit about how animals help you in your life and how being in partnership with them works for you. I think what animals are, they're almost like incredible mirrors, right? They're a reflection. They'll reflect back to you what you're putting to them. If you're putting stress and anxiety and all these terrible feelings out to them, they're going to push it right back. The you know horse is not going to be responsive. They're going to kick and wish their tail. A cow's going to, you know, get high headed and run all around and uh, be really snaky. But if let's reverse that if, or turn it around. If we're really calm, if we ask them for things, if we try to guide them, one time somebody called it more a shepherding type technique and working with them instead of trying to work against them. That's so much calmer, so much easier on both human and animal. And for me, it helps me to see, well, if they're re- responding to me to this way and it's not what I want, then maybe I ought to change some things. And it's like, it, like I, and I, I've never really thought of it that way till I just said it out loud that they're really good, really good mirrors. They're really good reflection of how you're feeling. They're also really good teachers. I know with horses in particular, if you walk into the pasture with an agenda, <laughs> your, your agenda is out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So one of the things I'm deeply involved in is the equine gestalt coaching. I know I've talked to you about that before. The people that are listening to this know about that because we've discussed it frequently. If you haven't, just go back and listen to Melissa Pierce's episode and you'll have all the information on, on that program. You know, horses, they really do alter the way that we show up in the present moment because it's really hard to be out of the moment when you're standing next to a 1200 pound animal with that big heart and that big electromagnetic field and all of that energy. It's hard to just float away. (laughs) And I I think that that groundedness is something that animals definitely give us along with the mirroring our energy. That's very insightful, Jason, and very important. And I think that everybody who listens to this podcast probably realizes that animals oftentimes give back a lot more to us than we even think about. Your equine-based business has unique needs. It's your job to tell the story of your horse brand. You know what you want to say, but creating or finding powerful storytelling images that grab the attention of your ideal client can be a challenge, especially when you're busy running your business. That's why equine industry business leaders turn to Fast Horse Photography and a library featuring thousands of searchable images available for businesses just like yours. And guess what? 100% of those images are horse-related, Now, finding the right horse images for your website, social media, and all your other needs is easier than ever. Find the perfect images for your equine business right now at FastHorsePhotography.com. That's FastHorsePhotography.com. So anything else you want to talk about with your cow-calf operation? So you raise commercial crossbred cattle. Do you offer any kind of direct meat sales or do you have any recommendations around that? Yeah, so I actually do. And mine's very small and it's very, it's, it's almost a byproduct because I take animals a lot of what a lot of times what happens is you know I keep all of my heifers right and give everything a chance to breed what doesn't breed those are what goes into our direct to consumer beef business so 
they're getting some weight on them. They're not, not they're not getting a ton of input on them. So they're still a profitable animal to us. But at the end there, when we understand that they're not going to be a part of our cycle, they're not going to be a part of our system, then that's when they go out to the, to a consumer. And it's really been just word of mouth, just friends, local community. What I'll do is the last two months, I'll finish them on, they, they're on their pasture their entire life. But the last two months, they get some grain to get a little marbling, add a little extra weight before they go to harvest. And, you know, it's a really great way to manage our cash flow because what we do is it gives us a few extra times a year we're getting paid because to have a really efficient cattle herd, you want to have a short calving window. But what that short calving window does is you're selling everything at the same time, which is okay because it, you get more per animal, but the cash flow throughout the year is a little bit tougher. Um, so what this does is breaks up our cash flow a little bit by still adding value to animals that were not worth as much at a certain point. Um, they're still going to be quality beef, especially them being a homegrown, locally sourced animal. People just love that stuff. Just knowing where it came from, just period, is is very enticing to the consumer. You know, so it's a win-win for both the consumer and for us because it provides us that extra cash flow at off times of year. That's always a good thing in any kind of an animal-based business. We all struggle with cash flow. As a matter of fact, I um, ended up in bankruptcy court one time because of that horrible word, cash flow. <laughs> I have learned my lesson quite extensively around that. One of the things that you said there, the fact that people can find locally sourced food, if any listeners are interested in, in learning more about that, I encourage you to reach out to myself. I'm sure Jason would feel questions for that as well. But you can buy your own food from a farmer. If you didn't know that, there are plenty of us around who do custom raised beef, who have ethically raised healthy animals that if you want to come see the operation before you purchase your meat, you're able to do that and really feel like you are not just feel, know the business you're supporting, know the people you're supporting, know the family that you're supporting. I would love to see more of that in the world. I would definitely love to see more of that in the world. I'm sure you would too, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> to see more people buying direct from producers. Because to be honest, in the cattle business, the packing plants are the the true multimillionaires in this business. For those of us on the, the beginning end of things and on the grocery store end of things, there's not a lot of profit. And it's oftentimes, especially on our end in cow-calf producing, it's a labor of love. And it's hard. I, I sometimes say we live in the blood and guts of life here on this ranch because it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of beautiful moments and a lot of really sad, ugly ones too. So there's a, there's a roller coaster that goes with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's uh, like you say, it has to be a labor of love. It does. It does. So on our final topic that we want to talk with you about, one of the things in our pre-interview with you that both Kara and I were, were very intrigued by is you have a philosophy around, because you got multiple businesses, right? You've got the pharmacy, you have the cow-calf operation, you've got your podcast, and then you have a beautiful family that is, I'm sure, needs your attention and wants your attention quite frequently. And balancing all of that can be a true test of your mental health and stability. So you gave us a really cool formula about living life by the numbers. Tell our listeners about that. Sure. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our 
fourth business. We have, my wife has uh, a yoga studio in our small town. Oh, I just heard too, you talking so. about that on um, one of your more recent <laughs> so episodes. You... And I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you guys stay You're busy. Just... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we stay busy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You know, but we love, we love what we do. So it's, it's okay to stay busy. But, but back to what you're talking about. I do. I have two rules that I, I try to, to live by. And they're my rule of five and my rule of twos. My rule of five is based around taking that break, taking, you know, because I feel like we get so tied up in doing the things and we're so scared of taking some time off because we feel like we're going to lose productivity, right? But I, I, I promise you, if you take a break and those breaks can last anywhere from five minutes to five hours even up to five days. But if you take those breaks like that, what you lose in productivity in that short amount of time that you're taking your break, you're going to more than make up on the backside of it. You know, you're going to be more productive and you're going to be happier and you're going to be a lot easier to be around. People are going to enjoy you. And that means a lot. And some of the things that are even intangibles, right? You can't really measure them um, as far as like happiness and, and whatnot. And so you have to take it. You have to take the whole picture. You have to have a really holistic view of things. Um, and that brings me to kind of my next point in that I have my rule of twos and that's around revolves around my marriage, around uh, my relationship with Carrie. And our rule of twos is at least once every two weeks, we go on a date night dinner somewhere close to home. You know, we live about 15 miles from closest town. So on either side of us. So we usually just pick one alternate each week. Then twice a year, we go on a weekend trip somewhere, you know, usually like St. Louis, it's close to us, or it usually ends up being St. Louis, but somewhere semi-close, you know, a couple hours drive from home. And then once every two years, and actually we try to do this more often, we try to do it once a year, uh, we take a week vacation together. And we found that that has made us better individuals. It's made us stronger as a as a married couple, made us better husbands and wives, and it's made us better parents as well. Our kids, uh, we realize that our kids want the kind of parents that that do go on vacation and take can take a break from them and show up better for them once we do get back to them. What a great example for them too, like to see you guys taking that time and, you know, being together. So many people think it's all about the work. It's all about this, but we don't take that time. And I think it's really important for us to know how to take that time away. Then we realize what we have when we come back, because I promise you, I love vacation, but my favorite day is when I come back because I am like, so like fulfilled because we have such a great we said such a great, and you guys, both of you having connections to Missouri, Carrie and I left, uh, we went two weeks out West Wyoming, Colorado, Montana, did the whole thing this early this year. And I tell you, it was beautiful, right? But the prettiest part of the drive was when we turned South off of I-70 coming back home to the Ozarks. That was the prettiest part of, you know, this 3000 mile trip. And it, it was right at home, right? So it just, I always find that that's a big part of leaving is appreciating what you have when you come back. I love that so much. I'm going to have to institute that. I think that rule of two in my house, because it's not my husband, it's me. I'm the one that has a lot of like work guilt. And, um, you know, Kim and I just did an episode on, you know, your why and my big why with having an animal based business, which is my equine photography business is so that I can be more present with my family because I am an absolute like workaholic mindset, you know, so for me 
need to be able to actually take that time and be present with my husband and come back and be a better parent is huge. Jason, I just want to say one more time, thank you again so much for coming on the show and chatting with us tonight. This is such an important topic and hopefully Kim and I can, you know, have more episodes like this, but we love the work that you're doing with your podcast, Ag State of Mind. Can you please tell our audience where they can find you online? So you can find me all across social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Ag State of Mind. I have my website, agstateofmind.com. We mentioned earlier with my mental health resources page, um, lots of of other stuff there. But my podcast, you can find it. I'm a member of the Global Ag Network, so you can find it on the Global Ag Network, but it's also all across where you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all the places. So just search out Ag State of Mind and you'll find it. Thank you so much, Jason. And I definitely recommend folks, if you are looking for another podcast, um, even if you're not looking, like you need to add another podcast to your collection anyway. So go on, check it out, hit a follow so that you get Jason's episode episodes as well. So thank you so much, Jason, for joining us today. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.